0: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Science of Getting Rich is a book that was written in the early 1900s by a man named Wallace Waddles. And I get asked all the time, was there one book that really kind of put it all together for you? And the answer to that question is yes, it was The Science of Getting Rich. I sat around, I distinctly remember this. I mean, you hear people say, do you remember when this happened, when that happened in history? This is one of those moments in my personal history that I remember vividly. I sat down with this little book on my couch. And I spent Saturday afternoon reading the entire book and literally broke down into tears because the book put together everything that was going on in my mind that was kind of in a hodgepodge sense of understanding. And it kind of put it all into line for me. So instantly I had an awareness about everything that I was understanding that I hadn't had before and an inner knowing of the truth. You know, it's a relatively small book. It has about 17 chapters in it. But it is one of those books that's 10 miles deep. And it literally can be a lifelong study. People always ask, you know, is there a science to getting rich? And the answer is absolutely there's a science to getting rich. There's no question about it. But you really need to go through this book in a very distinctive way. And here's what I suggest. I suggest that you get the book. The Science of Getting Rich. You can pick it up on Amazon. See if you can get it in a form that somebody has written where they have not altered internal content that much. Anybody else's take on it is their personal take on it. The the real meat is in the literature that Waddles wrote here. Now, I'm going to take you through the next three lessons through a progression of study that was given to me by my mentor, that I used to also take people through after we studied the entire book. Pay attention to what we're doing as a company because at some time in the future, we will teach the science of getting rich again in a seminar format at some point. And you want to go through it if you possibly can. It is something that I have a deep knowledge of. But we're basically gonna go through the three most important chapters to really help a person's focus stay where it needs to be, In regarding becoming aware of what's around them. So, those chapters are this 4, 14, and 7, in that order. 4, 14, and 7. The first chapter, however, is called The Right to Be Rich. And I don't feel that without going through this whole seminar, if I don't give you just a little taste of the first chapter, that 414 and 7 are going to make as much sense to you as if I give you a little bit from this first chapter. It starts off with a statement that is a really powerful statement. It says whatever may be said in praise of poverty, the fact remains that it is not possible to live a really complete or successful life unless one is rich. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment because It is a really powerful statement that Waddles is making here. Let me read it again. Whatever may be said in praise of poverty, basically meaning that in a lot of weird ways in the world that we live in, poverty is a virtue. It's weird, but it is. I think that it comes out of a lot of religious context that has been perverted over the years, but I can tell you this, that it's not a virtue. He says that the fact remains that it is not possible to live a really complete or successful life unless one is rich. Now, you may have to write that down and put it on a little card and put it in front of you and think on it for a couple of months, probably for a couple of years for most people. Because what it does is it causes questions in your mind. I think the questions are probably secondary to the reactions that people have from it because we spend so much of our life justifying the poverty decisions that we make. And of course, anything that we justify in life, we're defensive about, we're resistant about, we're standing in our need to be right about. Of course, all of that goes back to safety and without getting into, you know, kind of breaking all of that down on this recording in the next couple. I just want you to think about the idea that if you really think about this from the progression of this idea, which is more life, and that phrase actually came out of this book, more life, that it isn't possible. It is not possible to live a really complete and full life, and it's not possible for the progression of humanity without the idea of richness being there, and it also being part and parcel to what we become in this life. He says, no person can rise to his greatest possible height in talent or soul development, unless he has plenty of money. Now, why would that be so important? Well, it's important because money brings us the tools that we need to use that allow us to stop focusing on the basic essentials for survival and allow us to move into an idea of plenty in our mind so that we actually have the space in our mind to think about expanding our world, expanding our universe, making society better, making government better, making ourselves better. If we're constantly worried about all day long how we're going to survive, We don't have time to think these deep, enriching, penetrating thoughts, which allow us to come to new levels of understanding about the knowledge that's in the universe so that we can keep progressing as human beings. So that is just a taste of chapter one, and it's something that I want you to give some real serious thought to as we go through chapters 4, 14, and 7. So I'm going to begin with chapter four which is the first principle in the science of getting rich. And it is an extremely important chapter that gives you the idea of first things first, cause and effect. Waddles begins this in chapter 4. He says, "...thought is the only power which can produce tangible riches." from the formless substance. Now, one of the things that I think is just so damn cool about this book is that Waddles, in his wisdom, found several ways of explaining spirit. In the book, he calls it four or five different things, formless substance, infinite intelligence, spirit, God, nature. I mean, it just goes on and on. And here he's saying thought is, and we have the ability to think, we have the ability to use our thoughts. Our thoughts have higher faculties, such as imagination, reason, will, um, and reason. And we can think in this substance, but he's saying that it has the only power that can produce tangible riches from the formless substance. He says, the stuff from which all things are made is a substance which thinks. Now, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the atoms in the universe. Everything is made up of individual particles. If you go tap on a wall or you tap on a desk, you have to realize that scientifically, if you look under a microscope, those things are not actually solid. They're fluid. And the spaces in between the particles that make up the wall, the desk, the piece of iron, the piece of glass, are actually larger than the wall than the particles themselves. The spaces in between the particles are, are larger than the particles themselves. Now, why is this important? Because what's important to understand is that those particles are vibrating at a very specific rate of vibration that allows them to become steel, or glass, or porcelain, or whatever it is, plastic, whatever it is that it might be. And locked up within those particles is an infinite intelligence. All the knowledge that ever was or ever will be is 100% equally present in all places at the same time. He says, and a thought of form in this substance produces the form. So when we think, let's first understand that we are thinking a thought form in an energetic field. When we build a picture in our mind using our imagination, it is an image. That image has a form. That form has all the knowledge that it takes to create the form within the form. The image that is in the form is very much like how an architect will draw an image on a drawing board. and That image is not the actual thing that's going to be created, but it is an image of the thing that's going to be created along with all of the specs that go along with creating the image. It doesn't make the image. It doesn't create itself. It's just an image that is presented of the form. Well, when we present an image or when we create an image of the form, in our thinking mind, we cannot create that image without all the knowledge of the creation of the form going with it. He says, Original substance, which is thought or spirit, moves according to its thoughts. Now, what are its thoughts? Its thoughts are simply this more life. Every form and process that you see in nature is the visible expression of a thought in. The original substance. Now, I want you to think about this. When you see a tree, when you see a squirrel, when you see a rock, when you see an ocean, all of those things had to be a thought form before they could be a form. And in its original substance, it had to have all the knowledge with how to create it within that form. He says, As it thinks of a form, now let me stop for a moment. When he talks about it, what is he talking about? He's talking about the architect of the universe, the original substance. That's the it in this sentence. As it thinks of a form, it takes that form. As it thinks of a motion, it makes that motion. That is the way that all things were created. And we live in a thought world, and this world is part of a thought universe. The thought of a moving universe that's extended throughout the formless substance, the thinking stuff, which is all of the knowledge, resulting from that thought, took the form of systems of planets and continues to maintain that form. Thinking substance takes the form of its thought and moves according to the thought. Now. You may have to listen to that a couple of times to really get it, but think about it as it pertains to yourself. Before you can do a thing, you have to think a thing. Before a desk can be created, somebody had to have an image of a desk in their mind. Before the telephone could be created, somebody had to have an image of a telephone and what that telephone could do in their mind. Before a light bulb could be created, Edison had to have an image of a light bulb in his mind. Before you can do anything, you have the image of it first before it can be done. It says, holding the idea of a circling systems of suns and worlds, it took the form of these bodies and moved them accordingly. That's how everything was created. So when it says holding the idea, we have to understand that we too have that ability. We use it with one of our higher faculties that higher faculty that we use to hold an idea is our will. Our will is the higher faculty that gives us the ability to focus on something until we move it from thought to form. Although centuries may be required to do the work by thinking the form of a slow-growing tree, the formless substance produces the tree. In creating the formless substance seems to move according to the lines of motion it has established. Now, that sentence is so very important because everything in our life is in a constant state of motion and momentum, but based along the lines it has has established. So, this is why people get stuck. They establish a thought of form They establish a way of doing things which then creates a paradigm and it creates a momentum in a direction that keeps giving them the same thing. If that is going to change, they have to realize the momentum must be broken and a new thought of form must be created along with the energy and the spirit to go with it. It says the thought of an oak tree does not cause the instant formation of a full-grown tree, nor does the thought of wanting more money. Nor does the thought of wanting a better relationship. Nor does the thought of moving from dis-ease to health. It is just the initial thought form that begins to, to form within the mind of that which, which we desire. But we also have to understand that the way to do it comes with it. The way to do anything also comes with that thought of form. Now. The thought of an oak tree does not cause the instant formation of the full fulcron tree, but it does start in motion, the forces, which will produce the tree along established lines of growth. Well, it's the same thing with us. When we think of an idea, when we think of a thought form, it starts in motion everything in the universe to bring about the creation of that form. See, the universe has no choice because it is already moving along established lines of growth. So as we hold the image with our will of that form, it brings us the ways, the means, and the opportunities for the creation of that form. He says here that every thought of a form that is held in the thinking substance causes the creation of the form but always or at least generally along the lines of growth and action that are already established. So look at it like this. If you want to create more money within the business that you currently have, or let's just say you want to create more money in your life and you have a business or you have a job, the first way that it is going to attempt to get to you is through the lines that you already have established. Unless it can't get it through you th- through those lines, then it will give you the opportunity to then change the line. If a thought of a house of a certain construction were impressed upon the formless substance, it might not cause the instant formation of that house, but it would cause the turning of creative energies already working in trade and commerce into such channels as to the result in the speedy building of the house. And if there were no existing channels through which the creative energy could work, the house would be formed directly from the primal substance. Now, without waiting for a slow process of the organic or the inner organic world, no thought of form can be oppressed upon the original substance without causing the creation Of the form this explains both good and bad in life no thought of a form can be impressed upon the original substance without causing the creation of that form it means whatever form that we hold in our mind whatever image that we hold in our heart the instant manifestation or the manifestation of that begins instantly in our life if we're creating something that we don't want if we're looking at our results If we are looking at our circumstances, if we're looking at our environment and we go, hell, you know what, I don't like what's showing up, we have to realize that somewhere along the line we're holding the image of that form, either an idea or substance, but then we can change it. We can begin to change it because we have the ability not only with our imagination to change the image that we're holding, but with our will to change what we're focusing on. Will is so important in this process that Waddles actually devoted two chapters to it in The Science of Getting Rich. Now, a human being is a thinking center and can originate thought. All the forms that a person fashions with his hands must first emerge from his thought. He cannot shape a thing until he has thought the thing. Now, I think that intellectually we understand that, but you have to ask yourself, do you actually have awareness around that idea? If you were to spend an afternoon just thinking about that, what could it really change in your life? He cannot shape a thing until he has thought the thing. Now think about that for a moment. He cannot shape a thing until he has thought the thing. And so far, man has confined his efforts wholly to the work of his hands. He has applied manual labor to the world of forms seeking to change or modify already existing forms. He has never thought of trying to cause the creation of new forms by impressing his thoughts upon the formless substance. Now think about this. When a person has a thought form, he takes material from the forms of nature and makes an image of the form which is in his mind. He has so far made little or no effort to cooperate with the formless intelligence, to work with the Father. He has not dreamed that he can do what he seeth the Father doing. Which is what? Do we actually see God creating the world, the mountains, the oceans, the squirrels, the chipmunks, the elephants, the dandelions? No. He says, Man reshapes and modifies existing forms by manual labor. He has not considered the question of whether he could produce things from the formless substance by communicating his thought to it. I propose to prove that he may do so and to prove that any man or woman may do so and show how my first step will be to lay down three fundamental propositions. First, we assert that there is one original formless substance from which all things are made. All the seemingly many elements are only different presentations of one element. In other words, everything that you see comes from spirit. It is spirit, but it's different presentations of spirit. All the many forms found in organic and inorganic nature are only different shapes that are made of the same stuff, and this stuff is a thinking stuff. In other words, it's intelligent. A thought held in it produces the form of the thought. Thought in the thinking substance produces shapes. A human being is a thinking center which is capable of original thought. If a person can communicate his thoughts to the original thinking substance, he can cause the creation or the formation of the thing that he thinks about. To summarize this, let's put it this way. There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made and which its an original state permeates, penetrates, and fills the inner spaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged in the thought. And a person can form things in his thought, and by impressing his thought upon the formless substance can cause the thing he thinks about to be created. Now, I can prove these statements by both logic and experience. Reasoning back from the phenomena of form and thought, I come to one original thinking substance. And reasoning forward from this thinking substance, I come to the individual's power to cause the formation of the thing that he thinks about. By experiment, I find this reasoning to be true, and this is my strongest proof. If one person who reads this book gets rich by doing what I tell him to do, that is evidence in support of my claim. Furthermore, if every person who does what I tell them to do gets rich, it's positive proof until someone goes through the process and fails. The theory is true until the process fails, and this process will not fail because every person who does exactly what I tell them to do will get rich. I have said that an individual gets rich by doing things in a certain way. Now, anytime that you're going through the science of getting rich and you hear Waddles refer to the certain way, what he's talking about is the laws, the laws of the universe. If we're doing things by, according to the laws of the universe, we must get rich just by the scientific fact of cause and effect. He says, a person's way of doing things is the direct result of the way he thinks about things. Now, I mean, just think about that statement alone. A person's way of doing things, the way that I do something, the way that you do something, the way that everybody does something, is the direct result of the way that we think about that thing. To do things in the way that you want to do them, you're going to have to acquire the ability to think the way that you want to think. This is the first step toward getting rich. This is, it's simple to understand, but it isn't easy to do, because it means that we have to think differently about just about everything in our life. See, the truth of the matter is, we don't think according to the lines of more life. We think according to the lines of survival. And survival, you can be surviving and have one foot in the grave, okay? It's the first step toward getting rich. To think what you want to think is to think truth regardless of appearances. To think truth regardless of appearances. The appearance of what it is that we see is very much determined by how we've been programmed to see it. Where do you think all the prejudices in the universe come from? Where do you think all the lack in the universe comes from? Because people have programmed us to see things the way that they see them, through hatred, through lack, through differences, through judgment, through jealousy. Every person has the natural and inherent power to think what he wants to think, but it requires far more effort to do so than it does to think the thoughts which are suggested by appearance. In a great book, You Squared, Price Pritchett did a famous quote where he said, absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence. In other words, just because we can't see it, just because we can't touch it, just because our understanding, or in a limited state of understanding, we say that it's not there, that does not mean that it's not there. To think according to appearances is easy. To think truth, regardless of appearances, is laborious and requires the expenditure of more power than any other work a person has to perform. I want you to think about that. I'm going to read this again because it's easy to just read this and not really put in it the context or the intention or the importance that Waddles is putting here. He says, to think truth, regardless of appearances, is laborious and requires the expenditure of more power than any other work a person has to perform. That's because everything in your world is telling you to go left, and the universe tells you to go right. There is no labor from which most people shrink as they do from the sustained and consecutive thought. It's the hardest work in the world. This is especially true when the truth is contrary to appearances. Every appearance in the visible world tends to produce a corresponding form in the mind which observes it. This can only be prevented by holding the thought of truth. To look upon the appearance of disease will produce the form of disease in your own mind, and ultimately in your body. Instead, you must hold the thought of truth, which is that there is no disease. Disease is only an appearance, and the reality is health. To look upon the appearance of poverty will produce corresponding forms in your own mind. instead, you must hold to the truth that there is no poverty; there is only abundance. It requires power to think health when surrounded by the appearance of disease or to think riches when the amidst, when the in the midst of the appearance of poverty. But he who acquires this power becomes a master mind; he can conquer fate, he can have what he wants. And this power can only be acquired by getting hold of the basic fact which is behind all appearances. There is one thinking substance from which all things are made. Then we must grasp the truth that every thought that is held in this substance becomes a form and that a person can impress these thoughts upon it so as to cause them to take form and become visible things. The perpetual law of transmutation of energy. We have an image, in our mind is a form. And as we impress our thoughts upon it and hold our emotions according to it, we move it from form into reality, into a visible thing. When we realize this, we lose all doubt and fear because we know that we can create what we want. People are always asking me, David, how do I get rid of fear? How do I get rid of doubt? He's telling you right here. He says when we realize this, we only realize it by doing it. We lose all doubt and fear because we know, knowing is doing, not knowing as intellectually understanding, that we can create what we want to create. Until that, you don't know it. We can get what we want to have, and we can become what we want. As a first step toward getting rich, you must believe the three fundamental statements given previously in this chapter. In order to emphasize them, I'll repeat them here. There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made and which it's an original state, permeates, penetrates, and fills the inner spaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. And a person can form things in his thoughts, and by impressing his thought upon the formless substance can cause the thing that he thinks about to be created. He says, now this is probably one of the most important things that's in this book. You must lay aside All other concepts of the universe than this monistic one. You must dwell upon it until it is fixed in your mind and has become your habitual thought. He says, read these creed statements over and over again. Fix every word upon your memory and meditate upon them until you firmly believe what they say. If doubt comes to you, cast it aside as a sin. Do not listen to arguments against the idea. Do not go to churches or lectures where a contrary concept of things is taught or preached. Do not read magazines or books which teach a different idea. If you get mixed up in your faith, all your efforts will be in vain. Do not ask why these things are true, nor speculate as to how they can be true. Simply take them on trust. The science of getting rich begins with the absolute acceptance of faith. Now, as you can see, this is the very first principle in the science of getting rich. Listen to this over and over again and really let it settle in to the deep recesses of your mind so that you can become aware of the truth that is in it.